Hello and welcome to Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of Dr. Efraim Martinez. I am a principal in search of wisdom, and I have found productivity to be a great tool for success. Today, I have the great and distinguished honor to interview Livia Chan, who is a head teacher in the greater Vancouver area in British Columbia, Canada. In addition to many other roles, she is the digital content coordinator at Teach Better. And let me tell you, there is nothing more sweet than Livia Chan, but do not confuse sweetness with lack of intellect. What a great power that she connects both. Livia Chan, who are you? First of all, Efrayan, I am just so honored to be here and so grateful. So thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate your kind words. Who am I? I am a person with many passions. I am someone who believes in love's power and that for me, my world stems from my heart and I lead and follow with my heart. I am in search of making this world a better place, one interaction at a time. And I, about a year and a bit ago, I coined the phrase atomic interactions. And I really believe that in every single interaction, we have a wonderful opportunity to intentionally uplift other people through our love, our kindness and gratitude and to make their day a better one. And if we're making their day a better one, we're automatically making our own day a better one just because we cultivate joy in ourselves. But aside from that, I am a mother, a wife, a sister, a daughter, a ringette coach. I you love to cook, bake, write, read, learn. Oh, I love learning. One of my greatest passions is learning. So that's who I am in a nutshell. Wow. A lot to unpack there. Let's, let's go right away into a productivity question. Awesome. When you said, coined the term atomic interactions. Yes. First of all, can you tell us more about what it is? And mm -hmm. second of all, what does it mean? Because I'm sure there are listeners out there that may have their thing, mm -hmm. right? And they have mastered something that, they, that can help the world. Yes. But they don't know about these things that you just uh, uh, give us in your prelude. So can you tell us more about that? Oh, I would absolutely love to. It's something that I really believe in. The more I think about it, the more I am convicted about sharing what it is. I discovered that it really has helped me cultivate my own joy. And, you know, many people say that it's uh, the little things that count and matter and how you treat other people. And I am big on relationships. I really believe that relationships is a gift and building connections is a true gift. And you think about our, our lives Every day you have relationships with other people, no matter where you go in your jobs. If you are a daughter, you have a relationship. If you are a wife or a sister, or anywhere you work, you are a colleague. These are all relationships that we have 
that really enrich our lives. And so these to me are great gifts that have been given to us. And so how do we cultivate that relationship with other people? And when I thought I started thinking about uh, the relationship that I have with myself as well, that needs to be solid in order for me to build better relationships with other people. So, uh, you know, I, I teach younger kids. Uh, this year I teach grade two and three. So they're about seven, eight, turning nine this year. Beauties. One of the sub subjects that we teach or I, that I teach is about matter. And so when you thought, think about what, what are the basic building blocks of all matter, it's atoms. And then I thought, well, what are the basic building blocks of all relationships? Well, it's every single interaction. That relationship that I have with myself, that interaction that I have with myself every single day, I have conversations in my head. I, I think like many other people, I don't think you know, I'm the only one, yeah. right? And so how do I treat myself? What are the words that I say to myself? How do I uh, lead my day? And then when I interact with other people, how do I build that relationship? And, you know, as teachers, we all often have that end goal in mind, right? If this is by the end of the year or by the end of this term or by the end of this unit, what is it that I want to have my students learn? In the same mm -hmm. way, if I have a relationship with you or, you know, anybody in my life, what kind of relationship do I want to have with each of you? Even like my students, what kind of relationship do I want to have by the end of this year, year with them or by the end of my life? And so when you look at that, I imagine a really connected relationship where our hearts are connected and we share beautiful moments together. Well, when you look at the end goal and then you think back to all the interactions, well, what kind of relationship do I want to have? Well, it is built on every single interaction that I have with people, every atomic interaction. And when you look at it that way, it's built kind of like Lego, right? One brick at a time. And then at the end, it just reveals this most beautiful relationship that you have. And sometimes we have people that are in our, in our lives for a short period for, you know, what they say a season. And sometimes it's a lifetime, but if I, through every atomic interaction, cultivate a kind of relationship that I want to have, then my life is enriched every single day. And it's a way to cultivate your own joy, right? The joy is there. You just have to learn how to cultivate that. And so every day I feel like my heart is just full of the beautiful relationships that's out there to have and that connection. And sometimes it just starts with a, starts with a little smile, right? the way you say hello and the way that you help people feel loved, seen, valued, heard, appreciated. It's every day is a gift, right? What a, let me tell you what a profound and eloquent description. Thank you, Lydia. I think you made my day just with that. And the podcast can end right now. Like beautiful. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you for saying that. So, um, Please share with us uh, your professional trajectory up to this point. Hmm. Well, I didn't know I wanted to be a teacher until my mid-20s. I started working part-time and I asked my boss, is it okay if I just work three days a week? And at the time that my job, it was okay. And she, she really believed that I, when I came to her and said that I want to start 
discovering if I want to be a teacher. I had already made plans to uh, volunteer two days a week on all Monday, Tuesday, and she she supported me and I was grateful for that. And so as soon as I stepped into the classroom, I was just in awe of this place. You know, we all go through through school. And so I knew what it was like to be a student, but to come back as a, I think I was 26 at the time, to just spend time with with little children, it just filled my heart with joy. And I thought, this is what I am meant to do. And the teachers that I was blessed to work with and learn from were just amazing. And then I just knew it was like one of those aha moments. And, you know, when your heart just speaks so loudly, it's like, you can't ignore it. Right. Yeah. Like, um, no, many people get the fortune to, to say that they get joy of what they do for a living. Mm -hmm. Uh, what a great lesson for our children, our students and for humanity that we can do something and, and love it. Yes. Yes. It, it's been 25 years and every year feels like the best year so far. Wow. So Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. Let me ask you, um, like in back to the future, if you could mm -hmm. go back in time to any of the positions you have held, what will the Livia of today tell the Livia of them? <laughs> I would say two things. Well, maybe three things. Uh, first, Learn to love yourself. <laughs> uh, two, then once you love yourself, then you can be kind to yourself. And then when you're kind to yourself, then you can start to believe in yourself. And when you build, <laughs> when you build that relationship with yourself first, it just really helps you know who you are so that in all of what you do, it, it's, it just makes it easier. Right. And I think it does take time, right? You know, when you, when you first start teaching, it takes time to discover who you are as a teacher. And even though you go through your teacher training, it takes time to develop all the, the strengths, uh, the, the beliefs that you have, the core values that you have. And once you do that, then you know how you start to learn how to cultivate that joy. And I think it's, that's the, the golden nugget is like, how do you cultivate joy in any work that you do? And when you are firm in who you are and what you want out of whatever it is that you do, you're not just teaching, but in all of your roles and in all of the spaces that you occupy, when you believe that you know what your purpose is, what a difference. And when you remember why, why you do what you do, I think the combination of all these pieces really helps to really helps you feel like you're living a life that is full of content, full of fulfillment, fulfillment. And when you, I think, especially when I started to see people and, and relationships as gifts, it's like, I have gifts all around me, right? to be able to cultivate a beautiful relationship with them. And every time that I walk into my classroom or, and greet my students, like they're just adorable and they're full of wonder, full of curiosity. And I get to spend that time with them, right? I get to spend that time with them and to make a difference in their life and to teach them and to have, 
laughs with them and to watch them grow, watch them discover who they are, their strengths, their passions. It's, I, I cannot imagine a, a more wonderful job to have. Livia, I have to ask you. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get mad or sad? And if so, <laughs> or angry? And I if do. so, what do you do to address those emotions? Yeah. Well, first, because I've really spent time getting to know myself, that makes a huge difference because I know what my strengths are. I know what my core values and beliefs are. Am I still working on those things? Of course. I'm every year I feel like I'm a stronger, a better person and that I, I do know myself a little bit better. But when I do feel, uh, you know, low or angry, not angry often, but, um, when I am, uh, or frustrated, then I talk to myself that like, I, I understand my feelings and that they, they are important to me, right? I have to listen to them. And that's another key is I really started to learn how to listen to myself, started to think, okay, how do I feel right now? What are my thoughts? How am I feeling? What am I thinking? And then I've also learned to breathe because breathing helps calm my emotions and how I'm feeling, whether I'm shaking or, uh, the physical aspects of feeling those, those negative feelings. And then I sort through, I start sorting through, okay, this is how I'm feeling. It's okay. Right. I, I always would say your feelings are never wrong. It's what you do about it. It might be, you know, not so respectful or what have you, but your feelings are there to tell you something. And so I dive into those feelings. And then at some point I have to check in with my heart and I, I, I think, well, is this really serving me? I know I need to protect my heart. So after, you know, I give it enough time and to, to think and feel, then I just kind of put it on a shelf and go, okay, I need to move on because I don't like the space that I'm in right now. It doesn't feel good, but I know I have to give it that space because I don't want to just push these feelings and thoughts under the carpet and just kind of, you know, not deal with them and not uh, sort through these, these thoughts and feelings because it's important. It's a part of who I am. And so many times I learn from these experiences, right? So I don't, I want to make sure I gain the most insight from these experiences. And whenever I am ready to move out of it or move forward a little bit, I feel like I know myself a little bit better. Right. And so it, to me, it's, it's a gift. And I always feel like, you know, adversity always makes us stronger in one way or another. Right. And also believing that there's an opportunity to learn. There is always a silver lining. I always believe there's a silver lining. Sometimes you have to look really, really hard to find it. Right. And then I get, I dive into gratitude. There's so many things. I live a blessed life with many, many things. All you need to do is just think about the many people who are hungry, right? Or that just don't have, I have a home. I have wonderful relationships. I, I love my job. There's so many things in my life, uh, the passions that I have that bring me joy. And so I, I remind myself that I, I have a lot of things, even though this is happening in my life right now and it feels terrible or whatever, uh, the, the, the 
incident or situation is. Uh, I believe in myself. I can pull myself out of whatever this feeling is. And then another thing too is sometimes if it's a little thing, then I start thinking about, okay, how do I move myself out of thinking just about myself and then thinking about other people? So how do I show kindness to other people? Because when I focus on other people, then it starts to help me remind myself it's there are other people that are here to, to help me. I'm, yes. I don't need to do this alone. <laughs> right. And, and we are always stronger and better together. And I know how I feel when I help other people. And so, you know, you don't, you, you want to lean on other people and cry on their shoulder and, you know, we're a big support system. Every person in our lives are here for each other. Yes. So, Thank you. Uh, what, a, what a great way of addressing uh, being self-aware and self-regulating. Thank you so much for those beautiful examples. You're welcome. Thank you for asking me. No problem. Uh, let's talk about reading or listening books. What a luxury. If you had to gift someone your favorite fiction book and your favorite nonfiction book, What will those be? What should we know? <laughs> that was, that's, that's a very hard question because I read a lot of books. I love books. And when you, when you ask about the fiction book, I actually don't read a lot of fiction except for picture books. So that mm -hmm. is kind of my go-to When I think yes, about let me know, please. <laughs> well, there's so many amazing books, so many amazing authors and illustrators. When I think about the book that I give away the most, I would have to say it's How Full Is Your Bucket? And it's written by Tom Rath. And it follows. Have you ever read that book? Never. Please Never? Made me. Yeah, it's really about. It, it falls very much in line with atomic interactions. And I think I've probably was introduced to this book uh, maybe 10 years ago. I'm not even sure how long this book has been around, but, but it's in, in that everything that we do, we are trying to fill other people's buckets, right? With the interactions and how we make other people feel. And when I think about it now, as I'm speaking to you, it's no wonder why it resonated with me so many years ago. It's really what I believe in is that, you know, everywhere you go, one comment or one way that you speak to somebody can really uplift somebody or really do the opposite. And there really isn't any in between, right? So in every, com in every conversation and in, And not just the words that we use, but what is our face saying? What is our body saying? Our bodies and our faces say so much in our tone of voice, right? So if we walk, if you think that every single person is trying in everything that we do to uplift other people everywhere we go, what kind of a better world would this be, right? When we give each other more grace, more respect, more love and kindness and we show each other gratitude everywhere we go it's going to be a pretty amazing world that we live in no matter the color no matter the race you know all of these pieces right when we start to really see people as just 
beautiful human beings that need love just like we do, that need support just like we do, need respect, all the things that we need as well, right? Need joy just like we do. What about that nonfiction book? Which one is the one? Oh, that is like well, probably, probably more difficult, right? <laughs> that is probably going to be the hardest question I answer today and the next month. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I I don't have an absolute favorite, but I do have favorite authors. So a lot of them are the big names that other people really adore and admire, you know, Oprah, Brene Brown, Simon Sinek, Mel Robbins. Uh, educationally, I, I adore George Kuros, um, John Acuff. You know, a lot of these people also have podcasts that I learn a lot from. Um, and a lot of, you know, we're, we're in a, circle of friends in education that so many of them have written amazing books as well that I've just devoured and enjoyed. And it's, I'm sorry, I cannot give you just one. I, I think that is a very uh, concise answer. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, Livia. I appreciate it. Livia, who is your biggest influence? The one. One. Boy, these are hard questions. Uh, biggest influence, I think the long, the longest standing influence was probably my Jupa, and Jupa that is stands for grandma in Chinese. Uh, she's no longer here. She hasn't been here for over 25 years, but she came from Hong Kong when I was six months old to help my parents take care of me. My parents worked long hours at our, our Chinese restaurant, family restaurant, which I worked long hours at too when I, when I got older. But she just showed us what unconditional love looked like, felt like. Everything that she did was for us. And she cooked, she, she woke us up in the morning to get us ready for school. She cooked us lunch and dinner and whatever we needed. She prayed for us every single day. I'm sure she fell asleep sometimes, but that is okay. <laughs> um, but I think because, you know, he left her legacy through my mom and my parents, you know, I have to throw my parents in there too, because they are the most generous, loving people who have taught me what it means to feel loved and what it means to love. Um, and then through them, my siblings, I have two brothers and just the relationships that we have and, and now their, their wives is just such a beautiful, wonderful thing. And I wouldn't be who I am today without learning from them and watching them and, uh, and even my own children, right? I learn a, a lot from watching them and interacting with them in discovering who I am as a mother, as, as a person. And they, they make me a better person too. Right. So I would have to say it's my family. It's, you know, when you, when you ask for people, what, what they value in life and you have, if, if someone were to say, put them on little strips of paper, well, I would always put my family first as I believe many, many, many 
people would as well. Thank you. Let, let me ask you a, a follow-up question. Uh, you mentioned that you worked in a restaurant. Yes. And um, before I was an educator, I worked in the, another industry. And Ooh. although my experience was not the best because of my lack of uh, experience, mm -hmm. uh, I did learn quite a few things that influenced the leader that I am today. Uh, what would you say were the the lessons or perhaps habits that you learn in, in, in serving others and using that today in serving others in other ways? Mm -hmm. Oh, there's so many lessons. When I th start, started thinking about my experience in the restaurant, we, you really have to work as a team, right? And so when I was younger, because I, I was started when I was 13, I was, I was helping in the in the dining room area. It was a very small family run restaurant. I think we had nine tables. So the bulk of our business was takeout and delivery. And my dad would always say, talk to the customers. I was super shy when I was growing up. We, I didn't have confidence talking to different people. And, you know, I talked to my friends, but talking to strangers was a skill I had to develop. And just learning to hear people's stories was a, a gift in itself. And <laughs> there are times, you know, especially when you're young, you don't know how to, to speak with customers who are not happy. Right. And so I had to learn how to carefully word, um, whatever our message was and to try to help them understand where we were coming from. And so that is definitely a skill that has helped me. And then just in, and then I think there were times where I, I was not very kind to customers, <laughs> truthfully. And then eventually my dad said, I got to kick you back. I have to kick you into the kitchen because you can no longer deal with the customers. <laughs> um, and I think people would probably find that surprising about me. But that's something that I learned that you can't talk to customers or other people. No, I don't think I was disrespectful, but I just didn't know how to speak to them in the way that I needed to. So then working in the kitchen, it was, my job was kind of to uh, manage the kitchen in a sense, in terms of the orders and um, the wh what the cooks had to cook next and kind of doing a little bit of prep work and just kind of being that overseer, if you want to call it that. So the organizational skills, that's what I honed, the communication skills, and then just watching how hard my parents worked just gave me such a great appreciation for the sacrifices they had to make every single day. They, the restaurant was open 364 days of the year, except for Christmas and Christmas they would cook. So, you know, they didn't really have a day off and the relationships that we got to build with each other as a family. I think that's probably why we're such a strong knit family is because we had to work together for so many years and it, it, Yeah, there's just so many things you learn from being being in a restaurant. That can be your next blog post because, <laughs> yes. like, um, someone told me uh, that you never realize that your first job experience is going to influence your last. Mm -hmm. And right, right. Yeah. I, I always um, uh, someone looked at us in a certain way, or we said something silly in a certain way it really impacts and you realize that that is not the right thing or you needed mm -hmm. to improve and make it better mm -hmm. thank you olivia very profound thank you so uh let me ask you this important question um 
as we know, imposter syndrome is real. We all feel it, right? And the question is usually, do you believe in imposter syndrome? And people say, yes, it's real. So believe in yourself. Yeah. And then we we send children to their homes or we send our friends to their environments and they are like, just believe in myself. But, but, but what, are, what do I need to do to get there? Uh, so let me ask you, how do you address imposter syndrome? Well, I think I often felt it, but I didn't know there was a label of imposter syndrome till probably two and a half years ago. Uh, and, you know, when, when it was, when I first heard of the, the term, I thought that is like the perfect way to describe it is imposter syndrome, because it's that belief that you are not good enough, right? Or that, you know, why am I here? Like, who am I? I, and I still say that sometimes I still say that to myself, well, who am I to fill in the blank, do this or have this opportunity or to speak to different people. And, and I think one thing that I really has helped me is I, I work with somebody who I had to, so I worked on staff development before when and we had to do pr presentations and, and all that. And one thing she would always say to me is you're just sharing your story, right? We have, you know, I worked in, in learning technology. So I, I, my job was to support teachers and principals in helping them move forward in integrating technology with curriculum. And so I knew a little bit more than them because I just had more experience. And, um, and so it's really telling myself, who, who am I? Well, I, I am a person just like you, but I have more experience and this is my story. I'm sharing my story and I am on a different journey than you. And so there are many times that I've been in a, sitting in a panel with many educators that I admire with doctorate degrees and um, they're superintendents or they're all principals. And, you know, that initial feeling of, oh, I don't have a doctorate degree or who am I? Why am I sitting at this table? And then I have to, you know, like I said, I, I talk to myself, so I have to kind of remind myself now I am on my own journey. At some point they were in the position that I am too. And I, that, that is okay. I have other people that have, that believe in me and have offered me this place at this table. And sometimes it's, it's this is a message that I share with my children too, is that sometimes you have to lean on the belief that other people have in you right? That I lean on the belief that other people have in me until I start believing in myself too. And another thing is I, I had to learn how to be my own biggest cheerleader to kind of talk myself like, you got this. You're just sharing your story. And, you know, there, there are many pieces to my story, just like I've learned from so many other educators and so many other people, they have their story. And Whoever is meant to hear my story and to have my story resonate with, that's who I'm going to, to make an imprint on their heart. And I don't have to worry about trying to reach everybody in through my message. Um, and then just when I start to feel nervous, then I remind myself, like this is something that Simon Sinek shares, is the, the feelings that you have for nervous and excited are the same physiologically they are the same and so i remind myself 
well, I've actually been trying to train myself for the last dozen years. Okay, I'm not nervous. I'm just excited. And I'm excited to share my story. And that works every time. So when there are, you know, 300 people in a Zoom room or there's people that I have are meeting for the first time, like the, the team that I'm coaching for the first time or talking to the, the parents or whoever it is, I am excited to start a new journey with you because I have the blessing to have new relationships and to learn from other people and to be enriched by their relationship with me. And so when you think of it that way, it, it, I get excited, right? Because I know my life is going to be better because I'm meeting you or getting to speak to you for the first time. And it's the possibility and opportunities for, to build new connections too that just make me feel um, excited. So I think all these pieces together really help me overcome imposter syndrome. And, you know, I, I am a collection of all my, my experiences and memories and the learning of all the other people that I've had the blessing to learn from. And if I make a mistake, that is okay too because I know I'm going to learn from it, right? I don't have to be perfect. And I think that's another piece too. I don't have to be perfect when I am speaking or in a space where I don't feel like I belong or I don't feel like I compare. Um, and that comparisonitis is not good for me or anybody else, right? Amen. Amen. I, I have to tell you this. I'm definitely going to tweet this quote. Um, I am a collection of all my memories. What a profound thing to say. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Livia. Thank you. Being successful, as you know, includes being on top of what we need to do. But productivity is something that means different things to different people. So what does this mean to you? How does Livia get to do all the things that she does to do and still have a fructiferous life? Mm. I actually have a lot of people that ask me that question. How do you do everything that you get to do and still feel um, like you have time to relax? Well, I go often by, like I said at the beginning, I, I lead with my heart. I listen to and follow with my heart. And so I have many passions. And one thing that I love to do is just think about what fills me. What brings me joy? What makes me happy? And so that kind of leads into all the different projects and opportunities that I have an, uh, a blessing to do and privilege to do. And then when, you know, when you love what you do, then it feels easy. It doesn't feel like a chore. It's, it's something that you, I, I think I've grown to love too. So like cooking and even doing laundry, like I've learned to not love it, but there's peace in that, right? And and I'll just put on a podcast as I'm doing whatever work that I'm doing. Um, it's, like an, it's like a trip, like a, to the library, in many in many in many ways. Exactly. I just so happen to be folding clothes at the same time. Mm -hmm. But I think just understanding my priorities, like you know, I only have so much time. Time is a a resource that is not renewable. And so when I look at my time, I I, I write lists often, mm -hmm. and then I think, what is it that I have to do in this time frame that I've been given? And then I work on it because I want to work on it. It's something that I, that brings me joy. And then, um, and then 
like I want to, I, I want to share. It's just really thinking about what do I have to do in the time frame that I have, and then being focused enough to do it. And I know that sometimes I have a number of things happening. Like sometimes I'll have many tabs open, and my break is moving to something else, right? Mm -hmm. To to be efficient because things need to be done too. And so sometimes I, if I'm working on some writing, then my break might be to um, to read an email. And I, I know some people find that distracting, but that is my break. And so then I get back to what I need to do. Um, and I think when you start to think about what you love doing, then it doesn't feel like work. And then it just feels more efficient. You're not trying to force things out of yourself, right? And I think it's, yeah, I think it's just the understanding, um, also understanding what I need when I am uh, feeling overwhelmed with all the things that I have to do. It's just thinking, okay, what is the most important thing that I have to get finished first? Yes. Yes. And then can, can also, you tell me more about, about your list? Yes, I have. Well, I, I have a pretty good idea of what I need to do, but sometimes I need to see it in writing. And like, I, I know like many people, we like to check off that list, right? <laughs> or cross it off. And then I make a new list. And so um, sometimes I have a, like, I, I use a lot of sticky notes. So I put, uh, I make a list on my sticky note and then I actually put it on my laptop, like, you know, right where your trackpad is just to the side. Yes. And then that way, as soon as I open my laptop, then it's like, okay, these are the things I have to do. I'm not rethinking and, you know, writing down a list again. And so there's kind of like that short-term list and then that longer-term list of, kind of projects that ha I have more time to spend on. But I, I feel very, I feel quite efficient with my time and all the things that I have to do. Wow. Um, let me ask you, how do you, how do you decide what has higher priority? Because you mentioned I emulated about uh, what finds you joy, but then you had that list and you had to prioritize, mm -hmm. right? How do you uh, decide? Well, what, so in my mind, there are some things that some tasks that I can take care of really quick, quickly. So like if it's an email, then you know, it might take five or 10 minutes. So get that off my list. And then it's not on my list anymore because then it comes back. It comes nagging at me, right? So it's, sometimes it's getting rid of the little tasks first. And then I have fewer things on my list to do. And then the bigger projects, it's it's thinking about, well, if I have, so say for example, I have, I have a presentation that I'm doing at the end of January. So I used to be a big procrastinator. I do all my assignments like, two days before when I was in university, but that didn't serve me well. <laughs> so I've learned to kind of chunk and, and think, okay, if I have something that's due th three weeks in advance, I need to work on it a little bit here, a little bit there, so that it doesn't feel like this big time crunch at the end. Ultimately, it still does because that last 10% of any presentation or, you know, it takes the longest time because you want to make it the best that you can, but it's, making sure that I spend enough time on it the weeks prior to, so that it doesn't feel like this big ominous project that I've left to last minute. So get rid of the small tasks first, uh, work the medium tasks. You have to work on a little bit at a time, depending on the time that you have. And the bigger tasks, it's again, a little bit at a time. But, um, and the thing is when I start it, 
then when things come across my path, then I can insert it. Then like, because, because of Google docs now I've it's accessible 24 seven on any device. So when I think of something, then it's like, Oh, I got to add that idea. So then I insert, insert, insert. And then that way it actually makes my projects uh, more rich because I've had three weeks to think about it rather than just the one week that I've allotted to it. Right. Thank you so much, Livia. I appreciate it. You're welcome. This has been such a great conversation. Livia, anything else that you would like to share with the listeners of the show? Yes. Be I would first of all like to say thank you, Efran. I adore you. I love your smile. <laughs> and this opportunity to speak with you has been so amazing. I've been looking forward to this ever since you reached out, which was before the Teach Better conference, right? Yeah. And anyhow, um, I, one thing that has changed my life is when I tell people that I love them. And, you know, when I started telling my students, I love you and my friends, I love you and I appreciate you. And I believe in you. These nine words, you know, used at the appropriate time has really changed relationships and has really helped me see other people as important to my life. And so, you know, that all the people that have believed in me, I want to say thank you. All the people that have relationships and you know, like, that I have a connection with, I want to say thank you. I am so grateful for all the people in my life. Um, and you, I love you, Efrain. I appreciate okay. you. And I really do believe in you. And so thank you for this wonderful time. Livia, feeling is mutual. I think that we're going to be uh, friends forever. Yes. Uh, definitely, when I either go there or you come here, we need to, you know, have a long meal, a long chat, because mm. I think uh, this conversation could have lasted days. Yes. Oh, I would absolutely love that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Livia. Have a fantastic day. You as well. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you.